Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com. I'm Dan Newcombe Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. The UFC has their most action-packed card of the year this weekend. UFC 245 is upon us, and as part of our Fights, Dogs, and Parlay segment, we will be breaking down all three of the phenomenal title fights that we've got on tap. Plus, we'll be telling you a parlay that you should play as well as an underdog, so make sure to check that out. You should also check out our two fighter interviews for this week. First, we will be talking to one of the gentlemen in those title fights. We'll be talking to Alexander Volkanovsky as he gets ready for his bout with Max Holloway. Plus, we'll be talking to Chase Hooper as he gets ready for his UFC debut also this weekend. But before we get to any of that content, I'm going to remind you that this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast is brought to you by the Punch Lab app. The Punch Lab app is the new way to make sure that you can get high quality boxing instruction because we all know it's hard to get to the gym at a specific time to work out with a boxing coach and we know that it can be really hard and and even expensive to find a good one. And now the Punch Lab app has completely changed that because they bring high quality boxing instructors right into the palm of your hand. This app, which you can get in both the Google Play or iTunes app stores, have workouts designed by real qualified boxing coaches and they talk you through sessions on the bag or when you're shadow boxing. They also have workouts designed for MMA, kickboxing, Muay Thai, or whatever stand-up art you're really into. Plus, including all of that, you can attach the phone to their a heavy bag using their belt, and it will actually count and measure the strength of your punches and kicks. It's awesome. It's going to change the way that you train striking. Punch Lab App brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. This is Daniel Gumby Freeman with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and today I have the pleasure of speaking to the number one contender to the featherweight belt, Alexander Volkanovsky, who of course fights Max Holloway on December 14th. So, Alex, we're just about a week away from your fight at this point in time. How are you feeling? How's training camp been? Mate, it's been unreal. It really has. Uh, we just had uh, one of our hardest sessions uh, the last one, so we call it the spider. We call it a spider. It's like the hardest session of the week, especially when you're fighting for a title. So because it's a five rounds, uh, the title fights are five rounds. I just finished that. We had a barbecue. We usually have our ritual. We do a barbecue after the last uh, session. I still got sparring tomorrow, and then we leave. But mate, I'm in good nick. You know, I really am. That, that was a a solid session. I look real good in there, and mate, it was good vibes in the gym today. And uh, mate, I'm I'm ready to carry that in that fight week. That, that's absolutely exciting. Now, i got to ask, too, with a the barbecue there, uh, how's your weight coming along for the weight cut? Well, i got to taste it, so that shows you my weight's pretty good. Yeah, my weight's, my weight's good. I've got my nutritionist on board, and he even said, he goes, oh, you can probably have a little bit more of that barbecue if you want because the weight was good uh, on Thursday. Uh, we got the scans done, and, yeah, we're, we're happy. We're, we're right on track. Uh, muscles holding on, losing that fat, holding that water, ready for fight week. Awesome. That's absolutely exciting to hear, too, and I'm, I'm glad it's going so well. Now, I do got to ask, too, because you seem like you're in a good place mentally. Uh, how has the, the pressure been leading up to this? I, I know, obviously, as a first-time title challenger, you're probably getting a lot more media requests, uh, you know, friends hitting you up and things like that. How's the, how's the pressure been leading up to this fight? Man, there's no pressure. I'm, I'm really good in these situations. I really am. Uh, you know, obviously, there might be a little bit more media, but I just play what's in front of me. I always have, and always will be like that so 
no matter what needs to be done, I just focus on what's in front of me. So I could do this media. I'm here having a chat to you. If I need to go and do a session straight after this, I'm 100% focused on that session. You know what I mean? Obviously, a lot of people uh, you know, think ahead, oh, man, tired of fighting the of me. I'm just trying to get through these sessions. That's how hard we train. I want to, you know what I mean? I want to smash these sessions out. You know, fighting's the easy part. It really is. So, I, I, you know, I'm just getting these solid sessions done, making as you know effective as I can be in these sessions. And, mate, like I said, I'm ready to roll. I'm in some good nick, and I can't wait to show the world that, you know, I'm one of the greatest featherweights of all time. And, again, December 14th, I get to do that. Well, let's talk about that fight, too, because, obviously, it's one of the most exciting ones on an already stacked card. So you got Max Holloway in front of you, who is a guy who, for the featherweight division, is very long and very lean. Whereas your last couple of opponents have been a little bit closer to your height. You're one of the shorter guys in the division. Is there anything you're doing in preparation for that? Is there somebody you're training with who's helping out with that length? Mate, to be honest, uh, like you said, uh, obviously fighting Chad Mendes and even Aldo. Aldo's a little bit taller than me, but I had to change things up to fight them because I am so used to fighting people bigger than me. So people thinking that, oh, wow, he's fighting matches a lot taller, a lot bigger. They, they've got no idea. Like I've trained with guys twice my size, twice my weight my whole life. I used to be a front rower. I used to be 97 kilograms. So I'm, I'm used to these big boys. Uh, but again, I'm obviously at, at a, a very high-level gym. I've got some of the best uh, kickboxers and MMA fighters in the world at this gym. And, you know, when it comes to range and length and using range well and all this sort of stuff, you know, this is one of the, the best gyms for that. And, you know, I've got guys that are his length, if not longer, and just as good at using that distance as him, you know what I mean? And, and they've got that weight behind it. And you know what I mean? These are these are guys that I've got to train with day in, day out. So I'm ready. I'm more than ready. Again, obviously, Max is high level. He might throw things a little bit different, but, mate, I adapt so well. I always adapt to what's in front of me. I've always been that type of fighter. I've got so many ways I can do this. If he gives me a problem here, I can go there. You know what I mean? If he gives me a problem there, I can go here. You know, it doesn't matter. I'm going to be ready uh, for whatever's in front of me. If I need to use my that muscle, if I need to use that grappling, I can. Again, it's not just me being a good, being able to wrestle, me being able to strike. It's me timing everything, how I calculate it all together, and you know, really playing what's in front of me. That's the difference between me and a, a lot of the, the fighters he's a, he's a faced uh, before me. And, and is that what you see as the primary thing that's going to give him trouble? That you do adapt so quickly. Yeah, 100%. Uh, you know, it really is. And I'm, I'm very good at uh, making people fight my fight, you know. And obviously, he likes to make people fight his fight. He likes to put that pressure. He likes to really be in front of him and slows it. Like, once he slows him down, he really pulls it on. But I ain't going to slow down, you know what I mean? When he thinks I'm, I'm slowed down, when he thinks I'm hurt and he tries to pour it on, uh, he's going to hit a brick wall. He's going to come running straight into big punches, big takedowns, and he's going to realize, oh, shit, I need to be a, little, a bit more calculated. And while he's trying to be a bit more calculated, that's when he's just going to be falling behind and I'm going to be a step ahead the whole time. And, and I know you're not the type of person who likes to make predictions too, but by the sounds of it, you're, you're, you're predicting sort of a longer war, somewhere where you can take him into deep waters. Is that sort of how you see this fight going? No, no, not at all. I think I can, I think I can finish this. I, I really do think I can finish. He's tough. He's durable. Um, he's a smart fighter too, so I don't think he's going to take too many risks. But we'll see. When he starts falling behind a bit, I think he will. Uh, maybe try to pour it on it and you know put, try and get me in the deep waters. And when he does that, I think he's going to put himself in a pretty dangerous position. I don't care how good people think his chin is. You come at me uh, with uh, that volume and that pressure, 
you're going to fall into some big shots. And I don't care who, who he is, mate, you'll go to sleep if, uh, if I'm sitting on one of them punches while you're coming forward at me and I land it clean, you're going to sleep. Absolutely exciting, and we're looking forward to that fight. Now, I did want to ask you a quick question, too. Obviously, you're not looking ahead of Max, but you've got a really you know, good head on your shoulders. You feel really confident going to this fight. Have you considered about what type of champ you'd be if, if you do walk away the champ after this fight? You know, Are you the type of guy who wants to hang out in your division? I, I know a lot of fighters now are jumping around for super fights. Ha, have you thought about that kind of stuff at all? And if so, what have you thought? Uh, man, to be honest, I haven't thought about that stuff at all. You know, I've um, obviously got my eye on, on uh, you know, fighting in the featherweight division. But, you know, I'm looking ahead, mate. I'm, I'm happy to, you know, there's fights that are happening around me that I've got my eyes on. Obviously, I've got to fight Max, but at the same time, there's, there's going to be other contenders, and I'm going to be the type of champion that I'll fight the best guys behind me. You know, if there's number one contenders and that earn their shot, earn that the title, I ain't going to dodge them. I'm going to give them that, 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 obviously that chance that they deserve. You know what I mean? I'm going to take them out. So that's how I, how I look at it. Obviously, with uh, my rise to the title, it was earned, not given. You know what I mean? I took out the best guys. Um, I fought injured. I've done what I had to do. You know, I didn't get hyped up. I didn't get given easy opponents or anything like that. It was give me the best guys. Give me whoever's going to uh, move me forward and, and give me that title. So as I always say, this uh, this this uh, title shot was earned, not given. And that's what you know. That's the type of champ I'm going to look, look to be. I'm going to give the guys that earned uh, earned that title who deserve to fight for that belt, and then I'll take them out. And then again, I'll work my way to being one of the greatest featherweights of all time. And you mentioned that you have your eye on some other fights that might be happening around you, or some other fighters who might be popping up. Do Do you care to share a couple of those that you have an eye on? Well, man, obviously, there's obviously guys that you think, obviously, you have the Korean Zombie and Brian Ortega that was going to happen. I had my eyes on that. Uh, but, you know, now Frankie's uh, got that, that title. Uh, I just got told that Frankie's fighting that fight now, was it? Yeah, they Frankie's just got fighting announced. Yep. Obviously, there's guys like that. You even got your, you know, obviously, people uh, throwing Zabit's name out there. I'm looking at all these guys, you know, anyone that's going to be potential. Even if they're not next, they're going to probably be soon. So, you know, obviously, I've got my eye on everyone in the featherweight division. So... I think I'm a bad matchup for anyone there. I think I'm I'm just too well well rounded, too good of a pace. I just think I've got too much of a solid game to be threatened by 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 anyone. So you know whoever whoever it is, I've got my eye on them. Whoever's in front of me, I'll work that game plan. We'll get where we'll be pre- prepared and ready to take them out as well. Awesome. And speaking of having your eye on things, I, I would not be doing my job if I didn't ask you a little bit about this fight card that you're on, because UFC 245 is absolutely insane. Uh, three title fights at the top. You get to see, you know, a former opponent, Jose Aldo, cutting down to 135 to be on the, the fight card. What are sort of your thoughts on being on this fight card? And does it make it a little bit of extra special that this is where your title shot is coming? Yeah, it is. It's, 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 you know, again, you're, like you said, it's a, a huge card. It's a huge fight. Uh, you know, the, the world's going to be watching, you know I mean? Let's stack from, from top to bottom. Like when we're talking, mate, literally from top to bottom, we've got some really solid fights. I mean, you know, UFC greats are fighting. It's going to be some very, very, very good fighters fighting as well. So, you know, the world's going to be watching. And, you know, again, as I've been saying, I'm playing to, to steal the show. So I'm ready to really capitalize on, on this opportunity. Going over there to Vegas, a lot of eyes on me. A lot of people are going to think I can't get it done. I'm going to get it done and then they can all jump on board. All right, well, we're certainly on board. Once again, this was Alex Volkanovsky, number one contender to the featherweight title. He'll fight in Max Holloway on December 14th at UFC 245. Alexander, thanks so much for the time, man. We really appreciate it. No worries at all. Thanks, Emmy. Stay tuned.
I'm getting that belt. This is Daniel Gumby Freeland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com. And today, I have the pleasure of speaking to Chase Hooper, who fights Daniel Tamer at UFC 245 on Saturday, December 14th. So, Chase, I want to start by talking about something I recently saw on, on UFC social media. They were listing the top 500 moments in UFC history. And I noticed you picking up your contract on the Contender Series was on that list. In the grand scheme of the history of the UFC, what does that mean to you? Uh, it's pretty sweet to, um, to be able to make that list. Uh, yeah, it's cool to even, you know, um, I think my fight has like right behind Sean O'Malley for like views on contender. So, uh, it's cool to be considered, um, like a part of UFC history. Absolutely. And, and I know it's because, you know, you were so young at the time, obviously you won a developmental deal, which is a little bit different than getting a contract straight up. You fought three times underneath that development deal. What what are sort of your thoughts on on the structure of that development deal now that it's over? Uh, I think it was like uh, essential for getting me to the point where I am. Um, it gave me more time to uh, develop myself, uh, like physically. Um, like I'm much better than I was um, for contender. Uh, like I. It's also helped me develop my skills and stuff, giving me a little extra time. And then um, I've been doing all sorts of media stuff related to all my fight pass fights, so it's helped uh, help with that significantly. Um, I think it was definitely much better than me just getting thrown right into the wolves by the UFC, so I'm happy with it now. Well, that's certainly good. Now, I got a couple of questions to follow up with that. First of all, how involved was the UFC during that whole process? Uh, pretty much we were, uh, like talking to fight pass, like all the time, every single fight, like they would just give us dates for fight pass events. And then, um, then we'd start looking for opponents on the dates that we wanted. And, uh, yeah, we were pretty involved with them. Uh, they helped with one of my weight cuts. Uh, my last fight for Titan, they helped with the weight cut. Uh, I was able to train down at the PI and get in some good, uh, good training and good like media stuff with them down there. And then uh, obviously for my last fight on the developmental deal, um, they sent a crew from fight pass uh, out to video some stuff with me. And, and do you get any coaching to go along with the media stuff too? Cause I know you said, you know, you're doing a lot of media. Is, is, was there any aid in, in that way too? Uh, I think it's a lot of trial by error. Um, at least on my part. Uh, one of the fight pass guys told me to just, you know, be myself and just be weird and uh, <laughs> kind of do that. And, and, and you mixed results. Yeah, you said trial by error. Did, did the weirdness not work out? What, what's the story behind that? Yeah, I don't know. I'm just like an awkward dude. And uh, they were telling me to kind of embrace it and not uh, like I obviously can't just be like a tough guy because that's not my personality and I can't be like just like talking shit about every everybody because that's not my thing either so you know I guess just being weird is my personality trait and uh yeah I gotta embrace that interesting now I gotta ask you another question too because in all the fights I've seen of yours they've announced your nickname as as the teenage dream now I know if if we go back to September September you actually had your 20th birthday so you're no longer a teenage Uh, so, so is there a different nickname you're going to use for your debut or, or are you thinking about keeping it the same? 
yeah, we're just going with the dream for this one. Just going to streamline it and make it, uh, you know, more age appropriate and uh, stick with that for now. <laughs> All right. I like it. it. Was there anything in particular you did for your 20th birthday? Something special? I mean, obviously, you were probably pretty close to either finishing up a fight camp or, or starting one. Yeah. So I was like just first starting my fight camp. Uh, so the morning of my 20th birthday, I rolled my ankle pretty hard. And then, um, so I chilled most of the day. And then in the evening, I actually got rear-ended on the way back from like a, a dinner. So that was cool. <laughs> and, and, and badly injured in the, the rear-ending? Was your car super damaged? No. Not just the like car a... was totaled, but we were fine. Ouch. So, you, so for your birthday, you rolled your ankle, wrecked your car, and probably, if, if you're close to a fight camp, I'm assuming, couldn't pick out the way you might if, otherwise? Yeah, it was uh, it was not the best birthday I've had before, but uh, you know it's up there. <laughs> well, here's to hoping 21 works better. Now, I, I want to ask you a couple yeah. of questions about fighting Daniel Tamer. So, he and his brother, for that matter, as well, are are mostly known for their striking skills. What do you think about that style of fight for you, and and whether or not he'll be able to bring that style of fight to you? I think uh, his style combined with his height are going to work really well for me. Um, I think a guy who's more well-rounded and like closer to my heights would be more of a challenge. Um, my heights, I think I'll be able to like keep him at a distance or like uh, at least have time to react if he tries to rush in or anything. But uh, his striking doesn't seem too dynamic. Um, and his ground obviously isn't uh, to the level that I would say mine is. So, definitely a pretty clear game plan and uh, i'm looking forward to the matchup absolutely we're looking forward to it as well and i usually like to ask towards the end of these i know not a lot of fighters like to give them but do you have a prediction for how this one goes down this uh upcoming saturday december 14th Ooh, i think uh there's a lot of outcomes but um i think most likely he'll get frustrated try to rush in maybe we'll go to the ground i'll sub him out pretty quick or uh if it goes all 15, I'll try to just uh, keep him far away and kind of piece him up a little bit. All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Once again, this was Chase Hooper, who fights Daniel Tamer at UFC 245 on Saturday, December 14th. Chase, so much. thanks for so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it. And those interviews with Alexander Volkanovsky and Chase Hooper are brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for those who train any martial art. It doesn't matter whether you train jiu-jitsu, which is what the app was originally intended for, or boxing, or sambo, or judo, or kickboxing. Whatever it is you train, you should get this app so that you can meet your goals. And this is how it helps you meet your goals. First of all, you download the app wherever you get apps. Then you set up your profile, which includes what gym you train at, maybe what belt level you are, what your main martial art is, things like that. And then you can log your trainings, keep notes so that you don't forget anything that might be really necessary, and it lets you know how you're doing week to week and month to month so that you can continue to work towards those goals. They also have awesome features like logging uh, competitions in case you want to keep on track of what you're doing comp competition-wise. You can also talk to friends, do weigh-ins, all kinds of things like that. Check them out, Maroon Social. Now, once again, I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave 
Alexander Volkanovsky seems like a very confident man heading into this title fight. It's got me extra excited. How about you? Alex Volkanovsky, friend of the show coming through. I am so excited for this fight. I am a huge fan of his fighting style. I think he's got just enough confidence on the feet. I love his top game, his pressure, his grappling, takedown ability uh, all around. I'm just so excited for this fight and the matchup. But you know what? We'll save that talk for when we actually break down the fight. But just going off your interview with him and hearing how confident he is about it, it got me a little extra confident about it, and I might be on my uh, Bavada account right now placing a wager on him. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say, uh, you know, and we'll obviously save the full breakdown for what I like about him, but, like, you have to like the idea that he's confident in his hands. Uh, you have to like the idea that he's pointing out, and I think not enough people realize this, he actually has a reach advantage over Max Holloway, which is absolutely insane to me because when you think about their build, you think about him being, like, the short, stocky guy. But he's got really long arms, and I think that that's an overrated part of that fight, too. Um, and it's good that like he recognizes stuff like that. All right, we're basically just breaking it down, so let's just move on to our favorite segment on the show, Fights, Dogs, and Parlays for UFC 245. We break down a few fights. We give you a dog to play. We give you a parlay to play. You can love us for our advice. You can hate us for our advice. Follow the show at Top Turtle MMA on Twitter and let us know if we did right by you, but I will say we are coming off a November and a first week in December where we've been pretty good with our advice. Uh, so you're welcome. And I can't wait to get to UFC 245 fights, dogs and parlays. But first I want to mention that this UFC fights, dogs and parlays is brought to you by a new grappling tournament, the Hudson Valley grappling invitational. It's coming February 1st, you know, Gumby, there are so many tournaments out there. They have differing rule sets. They have overly complicated rule sets, but the Hudson Valley Grappling Invitational is going to bring the best competition in New York State together, and guess what? Almost everything is legal. That's right. It's going to be grappling in its purest form. The event is being promoted by Mike Wacker, one of the best grapplers to ever come out of New York State. He has wins over Ryan Hall, wins over future UFC Hall of Famer Diego Sanchez. You can look up his pedigree, his resume online, but one thing Mike is known for is no nonsense. And that's what this tournament is going to be. It's not going to be points. There's not going to be any stalling. This is the move, and I am so excited to see Hudson Valley Grappling Invitational pushing the grappling competition scene to the next level. You can heel hook in a gi. What? That's right. You're going to be able to heel hook in a gi. Okay? This is going to be grappling in its purest form, and I really hope you can appreciate that. And if you can't, well, you suck. Hudson Valley Grappling Invitational is February 1st. I'm so excited about it. You should get excited about it, too. Follow them on social media, Hudson Valley Grappling Invitational, and they present this installment of Fight Dogs and Parlays. Gumby, let's start with the main event. It's friend of the show. We had him on today. Alex Volkanovsky will try to be unbiased in this, taking on Max Holloway. Why don't we check in on how the two fighters have been doing? Uh, Max Holloway is coming off a win over Frankie Edgar at UFC 240, but before that, he lost to Dustin Poirier coming up to 155. Reeled off a billion wins before that, defending his title against Brian Ortega. Uh, Jose Aldo beat Jose Aldo for the title initially. Wins over Anthony Pettis, Ricardo Lamas. The list goes on and on. Basically, he's like a million and one in his last million and one. Alex Volkanovsky is a very exciting up-and-coming fighter from down under. He's coming off a win as well over Jose Aldo, unanimous decision win, very impressive at UFC 237 back in May. 
beat Chad Mendez via TKO about a year ago in December of 2018. Wins over Darren Elkins, Jeremy Kennedy. He has never lost in the UFC. He is 7-0 and in the UFC, but he is a minus 165, or excuse me, a plus 165 dog in this. Excuse me, I take that back. The intern has corrected me. He's a plus 155 dog. Holloway, the minus 175 favorite. What do you say? Uh, I'm going with Alexander Volkanovsky on this. I think it's worth noting, too, that this is technically the second fight to the top, which is actually kind of crazy. Um, but obviously, we wanted to get into this one first, being that we just talked to Volkanovsky. Uh, I-, I like Volkanovsky in this for a bunch of reasons. Uh, first of all, I-, I think that Max Holloway showed in his fight with Dustin Poirier, when he is at a power disadvantage, it seems to bother him quite a bit. When Dustin Poirier was hitting him harder than he was hitting Poirier, it seemed to cause him some distress. In addition to that, if you look at the way that Volkanovski has won fights, he is a guy who has bodied up people like Jose Aldo and Chad Mendez. He's a guy who put both of them against the cage and wore them both out. Now, I don't believe that he can wear Max Holloway out the same way, but I do believe that he is the type of guy who can put Max Holloway against the cage, and whether or not he ends up with the takedowns, it's going to be enough to win him rounds, and it's going to be enough to frustrate Max Holloway into really having to lay it all on the line and push forward. And and like Volkanovski said, he does have that one-touch knockout power that he can certainly tap into if Max Holloway does get desperate. So I think you brought up something uh, wears out is what I want to hone in on here. I don't believe that Volkanovski can wear out Max from a – if this stays on the feet and it becomes a striking uh, battle, Max Holloway, just, his gas tank never quits in that regard. But I agree with you. I think he could wear him out by pressing him up against the cage maybe scoring a takedown or two. Uh, Poirier scored a takedown against Max Holloway. Brian Ortega scored two against Max Holloway. Um, you, of course, could go back to the Connor fight where Connor scored three against him. Um, With but, a torn ACL. You know, going to, <laughs> yeah, on a torn ACL. But that, that, that's a different max, and I won't hold it against him. But the point being, if Volkanovski could even get two or three takedowns, it's not easy to get back up. Volkanovski's top pressure from a grappling standpoint is insane. It really is Khabib level. He is not the takedown artist that Khabib is, but when it comes to top pressure, uh, he's kind of right up there. So to me, this is something where Volkanovski could maybe steal three out of five rounds on a judge's decision. And I also am feeling pretty good about the dog. And that's not just because he came on our show this week. I actually feel he matches up well against Max if he's able to get him down. If it stays on the feet and it's a striking battle, I could see Max taking, you know, four to one or three to two kind of maybe look like that Brian Ortega fight. I don't necessarily know that I trust Volkanovsky in that stand-up war, but if he can make it more of a dog fight, if he could press him up against the cage and if he could get him down, I really feel good about his chances. Do you agree? Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I think he, pro- I, I'm going to give him a little bit more of a chance that you're giving him in the striking battle. Cause I do think his striking is underrated. And again, I think he has that knockout power that a, a not enough people are giving him credit for. But I do think you're right. I, I think his best bet is to use that that pressure game. And if he's able to dictate where the fight goes in that regards, his his chances go up exponentially. Well, we have a hell of a fight uh, at 170. We have Kamara Usman defending his title against Colby Covington. Colby Covington is on a seven-fight win streak. He's coming off a huge unanimous decision win over Robbie Lawler, a very impressive unanimous decision win over Rafael Dos Anjos and Damian Maya before that. 
really peaking, coming into his own, also a friend of the show. Uh, and he has wins over Jung Young Kim, Brian Barbarena, Max Griffin, uh, Jonathan Minier before that. But really it was with the Maya fight where he had his coming out party, also where he cut his famous promo, calling Brazilians filthy animals, really got the heat, as we like to say in pro wrestling. But it's really these past three wins over Maya, Dos Anjos, Lawler, uh, you know, those were the three big names he beat to finally earn this title shot. Some have accused him of being boring. He himself has even admitted that he thought he was going to get cut from the UFC just in the manner he was winning fights. He has a TKO over Max Griffin. You'd have to go back three years for that TKO over Max Griffin for him to get his last finish. Not typically something the UFC likes to see, but he is a guy who's made a name for himself, kind of being like the, the online troll come to life. He ended up visiting the White House and the president last year. He has a lot of intangibles going for himself and getting his name out there. He's actually done a wonderful job of self-promotion. Whether you like his antics or not, he's kind of a self-made man, unless you want to tell me he has like a professional writer at home telling him what to do. But he's kind of a self-made man who kind of broke through to become a household name, really on his own without the backing of the promotion at the time. Kamaru Usman has been so impressive. Uh, He is undefeated in the UFC. He's coming off a huge win over the champ, Tyron Woodley. He also beat Rafael Dos Anjos and Damian Maya before that. So it's kind of interesting that they both have back-to-back wins over RDA and Damian Maya to get themselves to the top of the division. Wins over Emil Weber-Meek, Sergio Moraes, Sean Strickland. And I guess it goes without saying here that both Usman and Colby Covington employ a power and pressure wrestling game. Usman, I think, may be the better of the striker, Uh, We could talk about that in a second, but it is interesting that these two finally meet because they are probably the two best pressure fighters in that division. And I won't say they're the two best wrestlers because I still think Woodley is a hell of a wrestler. He might've just had an off night against Usman, but if you want to say Usman's number one, and then it's Woodley or Covington number two for best wrestler in the division division, Usman definitely brings up, Uh, shades of GSP for me, just in the way he employs his wrestling to dictate fights. That all being said, he's the minus 190 favorite, Covington a plus 165 dog, so an even larger dog than his Volkanovski against Max Holloway. Who you got? I'm going with Kamara Usman, and and I'm going to give you some stats here on why exactly I like Kamara Usman. So if you look at Colby Covington's last two fights against Robbie Lawler and against uh, RDA, which were both five-round fights, I want you to think about how he did wrestling in rounds one, two, and three versus how he did in the championship rounds. So against Robbie Lawler, just as a as a conglomerate of all of the first three rounds, okay, he attempted 15 takedowns in the first three rounds. Okay, he was successful on nine of them. So nine of 15 in the first three rounds. In rounds four and five, he was one of three. Okay, and, and you can read whatever you want into the fact that he only got one out of three. First of all, that he got stuffed on two. But also the fact that those takedowns looked labored and looked tired. A lot of people praise his gas tank. A lot of people talk about how great he is in the later rounds, which is true. His hands looked great in those later rounds, but he didn't look so good grappling. And if you go back to the fight with RDA, you can say almost the same thing. If you look at him in rounds one, two, and three against RDA, he's four of seven on the takedowns, over 50%. If you look at his takedowns in rounds four and five, he falls to three of eight. Okay, so he attempted an extra takedown, was successful on one of less, and he gave up three takedowns in rounds four and five against mm. RDA. He he gave up three out of six. So he gave up over 50, or right at 50% in the late rounds. Now, by comparison, let's take Kamara Usman against RDA. Okay, in rounds one, two, and three, he is 
uh, 7 of 11 against RDA in the first two rounds. In rounds 4 and 5, he's 5 of 7. He does not tire as the rounds go on as far as the wrestling goes. And if you look at his fight against uh, Tyrone Woodley, it's not much different there either. His wrestling still looks good late rounds too, right? He's, I, I mean, he attempted way less takedowns, but he's 1 of 4 in the first three rounds. He was 1 of 2 in rounds 4 and 5. His championship level takedowns, his grappling stamina is still there in the late rounds. So first of all, Colby Covington is going to have to deal with his hands early on, which is dangerous because Kamaru Usman's got crazy knockout power. But also, I believe he is going to be the fresher wrestler in the championship rounds, and there's a good chance he puts Colby Covington away with ground and pound in the last couple of rounds. I, I can't argue with any of that. I think you broke down the exact reason why Usman breaks him and beats him. I think that's phenomenal stats looking at how he tires out. That also, speaking of the aforementioned Khabib, when we talked about Alex Volkanovsky, that reminds me a lot of Khabib, who also has been known to tire in the fourth and fifth rounds. It's really how you employ your wrestling. And that's one thing that's just so impressive about Usman is it's there one through five. Yeah. He's, he's never tired, dude. Like, if you look at any of his fights, like, don't get me wrong. There are times where he maybe doesn't look all that impressive. There's times where his striking maybe looks a little bit like, um, you know, like overly mechanical, but at no point in time does he really look tired to me. And especially since he started doing five round fights. And for that reason, I'm just like totally on board with him getting a late finish here against Colby. Well, this will be the final fight we break down before we get to our dogs and our parlays. And it's the other title fight and it's Amanda Nunes. Defending her 145-pound title against Jermaine Durandamy, also a former champion there. So there have been three uh, featherweight female champions, Durandamy, Amanda Nunes, Cyborg. Uh, Cyborg beat Jermaine Durandamy. Nunes beat Cyborg. And now Jermaine Durandamy will fight Amanda Nunes. Nunes coming off huge wins off of Holly Holm via TKO and Cyborg via KO before that. Wins over Raquel Pennington and Valentina Shevchenko before that. Uh, some girl named Ronda Rousey before that. Don't know whatever happened to her. But that all being said, this new Amanda Nunes, who lost to Katzengano back in September of 2014, since that time has reeled off nine wins in a row with wins over what you'd have to call the Mount Rushmore of, uh, of female MMA, which she is now a part of herself. Jermaine Durandme, on the other hand, also on a bit of a win streak here, five wins, Larissa Pacheco, Anna Elmos, Holly Holm, Raquel Pennington, coming off a TKO over Aspen Ladd. She's finished three of her last five opponents. The last time she lost was to Amanda Nunes via TKO. That was back at the fight to the Troops 3 back in November of 2013. So Jermaine Durandamy, not the most active fighter, but definitely a change fighter since 2013. Who you got here? Well, first of all, when you look at those those uh, odds where Amanda Nunes is betting off at negative 280 and Jermaine Durandamine is at plus 240, I will say I do want to stay away from these odds. I don't believe that I would want to bet a fight with this one. Uh, while Nunes is clearly a favorite and is a good favorite, at negative 280, nearly 3-1, to one, I don't like her at that price because personally I think Jermaine Durandamy is good at staying away from the big knockout blows since she got finished by Amanda Nunes all that time ago. So as a result, yeah, I, I'm a little bit worried about Nunes at that. That being said, while I'm not betting on her, 
if, gun to my head, I have to pick one of these two to fight, I, I like Amanda Nunes because she does have that power to knock somebody out. And despite the fact that Durandamy did technically get the knockout on Aspen Lab, you know, people complained it was an early stoppage. If you look for her finishes, you know, she's got a knee to the body on Anna Elmos, who who lost three straight fights and got knocked out of the UFC. She's got a TK win over Larissa Pacheco, who's not in the, the UFC anymore. And those are pretty much her only wins by knockout or TKO, unless you go back to, like, the very beginning of her record. So while she's a good striker, I don't expect her to be able to knock out Nunez. So that really gives me multiple paths to victory for Nunez, both the takedown, the power punching, and I think she could probably outpoint her, too, whereas Durandamy really can just outpoint her. So for that reason, I'm going with Nunez. Uh, but again, I'm, I do not like these odds. Yeah, I think that's a fair play. I think straight up it's Nunez all day, but I know what you're saying about the odds being a little too far skewed, especially for someone with the striking capabilities, the power, what we've seen out of Jermaine Durandamy before. Uh, you know, it's not it's not crazy to think that maybe she could catch her, and that's where the odds become a bit of a problem. But straight up, you know, this is Amanda's world. We're all just living in it. And I think you're comfortable picking Nunez, but maybe not at that price. All right, let's get to our dogs and our parlays. Gumby, I'll tell you what, why don't you just reveal what our uh, dog is? All right, so our underdog, I'm going to take Alexander Volganovsky. I already mentioned him earlier on the show as a pick I like. And usually I don't use one of the, the picks from our fights portion of it for the underdogs. But there are so few underdogs that I actually like on this card that I didn't really feel like sticking my neck out on any of them. You know, like, obviously, we're all fans of Jose Aldo and what he's done in his career. We're all fans of, of Uriah Faber and what he's done. they've done in their career. But Uriah Faber is t- fighting an absolute animal in Pedrion. Jose Aldo is probably going to kill himself trying to make that weight cut. And, and really, if you go down the card, I, I feel less and less confident about underdogs even as we go down. So I- I'm picking Alexander Volkanovsky for all the reasons we talked about in the earlier portion of the show. At plus 155, I think he's a great price. All right, and let's get to our uh, parlay. All right, so for our parlay, I'm going to go with friend of the show, recently interviewed Chase Hooper over Daniel Tamer. He's betting off at negative 110. One of the reasons I like him for this is that he is a very strong grappler. He's been working out at the Performance Institute at only 20 years old. You know his body is going to make huge leaps as it gets more and more mature. I think we're going to see those leaps here. And he's fighting Daniel Tamer, who's got three submission losses on his UFC record. I'm going to pair him with Ketwin Vieira over Irene Aldana. She's betting off at negative 165. Look, Ketwin Vieira may have been out of the game for a while, which is the only reason I think the odds are as close as negative 165. But you have to remember, she is somebody who bodied up Kat Zingano. She's a person who pushed around and bullied Kat Zingano. And you got Irene Aldana, who is a very skilled striker, but she is prone to being pushed against the cage. She lost to Raquel Pennington in exactly that way. So if you pair those two together, Chase Hooper at negative 110 and Ketlin Vieira at negative 165, you can get a plus 205 return over two times your money back. And I think that that's the smart parlay for this card. Boom. Hit us up on our Twitter. Let us know if we did right by you. Let us know if we fucked your bets up at Top Turtle MMA. We'll be uh, live tweeting during the show. Always enjoy the engagement. We've been running a lot of mystery fighter contests recently. Hope everyone's enjoyed that. Keep your eye on the Twitter at Top Turtle on the May. Always some action going on there. Gumby, why don't you wrap us up and take us home, as they say. Well, of course, that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We also want to thank Flow Combat for helping us out getting into your ears. 
because we wouldn't be able to do what we do without them either. We also want to give a special thank you to our sponsors, Maroon Social and the Punch Lab app. And we want to remind you guys to check us out on Twitter at Top Turtle MMA. We've got all kinds of cool things going on there, including some giveaways. So you're going to make sure to hit that follow button. I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland. He's Shockwave Dave Tremonte, and we will see you next week.